episode 173, titled Piss in the Wind. <laughs> I always love that statement, like pissing in the wind. Anyway, what that's about, we'll get to in a minute. Before we do that, let's do the recommendation segment where I recommend to you, the listeners, my Huda Thunkers, something you should check out, something I've experienced myself or want to check out. Uh, this week is not related to the main event. This week, I recommend you watch Mushoku Tensei Jobless Reincarnate. Yep, that's Japanese. It is an anime, and I know that's niche as hell because a lot of People despise anime, but I love it, so I do recommend it on time from time to time. It's not the only thing I watch and and, and enjoy, but it is something I deeply like. I don't like all anime. When I was a kid, there was a little uh, there was little anime that made it over here to the states. So I think the quality of anime series and movies that did find a market in the U.S. was higher quality than today. Um, Whereas today, the streaming services, not to mention the not-so-legal pirate streaming services, which are super easy to find, are flush, which I'm not going to show you. I'm not going to tell you how to find them. But <laughs> anyway, they're flush with all sorts of titles, which is good and bad. It means there are so many different kinds of anime stories available. So there is something for everyone. There's anime about cooking. There's anime about sports, anime about zombies, horror, fantasy, um, anything you can think of, love stories. I'm actually watching one right now. It's like my happy marriage. And it's, <laughs> I didn't think I would like it. I just put it on. And I was like, this is actually pretty cool. It's a very touching story. And so it's a love story. Um, yeah. And there's hardly any like crazy magic stuff going on. It's mostly just about um, like Japan at the turn of the century and how their culture was, which I find interesting. It's like a historical point of view. But it also means there's a lot of crap content out there now that there's tons, a lot more anime. Um, so people who would just, you know, maybe 10, 15, 20 years ago, if you would look up any kind of anime, chances are it was really popular, therefore appealed to a wide audience. Now, if you looked up any single title out of you know, thousands of options, there's a chance you're going to be like, this is stupid and it doesn't represent all anime. Or you might find the one thing you like. Anyway, I digress. Talking about one specific title, Moshoku Tensei, Jobless Reincarnate. Here's the official summary, very short, that I found when Googling. When a wayward man is reincarnated with the knowledge, experience, and regrets from his previous life, he resolves to become successful in his new body. Super, super short, super vague. It doesn't really do it justice. The summary, it's not... That's not very great. So I'll give you my own. The main character is a severely depressed Japanese man who was ruthlessly bullied in school. And so he never leaves his home. He, he, he um, tries to stick up for a fellow classmate, say, hey, quit picking on him. And those guys take it out on him and embarrass him beyond belief. And he just crawls inside himself, becomes depressed and homebound. He doesn't leave his room and just gets worse and worse over time. And... He pushes away the few people that do want to still, you know, make his life better. He pushes them away and he hates himself for it. So until one day he dies and opens his eyes in an entirely new world as a newborn baby, except he still has all his memories, his knowledge, desires, and mental illness from his past life. Because the story starts completely fresh from birth. I think it uniquely allows the audience to relate to the main character. Season one is on Hulu, the full season one, and it does have subtitled versions and the dub version, so it's like English. And season two is still coming out right now. I think there are only a handful of episodes out right now. It's great. You should watch it. Um, check it out. I've watched season two twice now because I liked it, and there was like two years in between. I couldn't remember a lot of details, so I rewatched it. 
That is my recommendation segment. Now for the main event, Piss in the Wind. Our story this week follows an American hero, John Glenn. He's an American Marine Corps aviator, engineer, astronaut, businessman, and politician. He's the third American in space and the first American to orbit the Earth, circling it three times in 1962. John Herschel Glenn Jr. was born July 18th, 1921. That's a long time ago in Cambridge, Ohio. He attended primary and secondary schools in New Concord, Ohio. He received a Bachelor of Science degree in engineering from uh, Michigan College in New Concord. Glenn entered the Naval Aviation Cadet Program in March 1942. He graduated and was commissioned in the Marine Corps in 1943 after advanced training. He joined Marine Fighter Squadron 155 and spent a year flying F-4U fighters in the Marshall Islands. He flew 59 combat missions during World War II, so he was in the big war. In Korea, he flew 63 missions with Marine Fighter Squadron 311. As an exchange pilot with the Air Force, Glenn uh, flew 27 missions in the F-86 Sabre. In the last nine days of his fighting in Korea, Glenn shot down three MiGs in combat along the Yalu River. In July 1957, when he was project officer of the F-8U Crusader, he set a transcontinental speed record from Los Angeles to New York, three hours and 23 minutes. It was the first transcontinental flight to average supersonic speed. And that just reminded me of the, the most recent Top Gun Maverick how Tom Cruise's character is just like, just amazing, all around awesome, breaking records and stuff. Glenn accumulated nearly 9,000 hours of fly time and about 3,000 of it in jets. While astronauts were assigned to provide a pilot input from the design and development of spacecraft, when he became an astronaut, Glenn specialized in cockpit layout and control functioning, including some of the early designs of the Apollo project. Glenn was awarded the Distinguished flying cross on six occasions and holds the air medal with 18 clusters from his service during world war ii in korea glenn also received the navy unit commendation for service in korea the asiatic pacific campaign medal there's a lot more medals the american campaign medal the world war ii victory medal the china service medal the national defense service medal the korean service medal the united states united nations service medal the korean presidential unit citation it sounds like a bad thing, but it's not. Citation. The Navy's Astronaut Wings, the Marine Corps Astronaut Medal, the NASA Distinguished Service Medal, and the Congressional Space Medal of Honor. So this dude loves flying. He loves being up in the air. He loves speed. He was in NASA. He was in the military. Two different wars, multiple, multiple medals, very decorated. So when America was in the space race, who did they pick on? Guys like this top-notch dudes who spent a lot of time in fast-moving vehicles, flying pilots. Amazing. He was the first American to orbit the Earth. He also became the U.S. Senator. Later, he became the oldest person to fly in space. John Glenn, like I said, American hero. So, uh, no, John Glenn never landed on the moon, but he completed the Earth orbit in Mercury spacecraft that named the Friendship 7 on February 20th, 1962. So he never landed on the moon. He wasn't the first person um, to fly in space. That goes to Soviet cosmonaut Yuri Gagarin, the first person in space, and he made a single orbit on Earth in 1961. It wasn't the first one up there, but the first American. Glenn re-signed at, well, and back in those days during the Cold War, like the height of the Cold War, space race, um, that's what mattered, if American, not if you're Soviet. <laughs> now, in history, we're like, who's the first person? I don't give a crap what country he was from, but <laughs> back then, it was a lot more important. He was American, first American up in space. 
Glenn resigned as an astronaut on January 16, 1964. He was a promoted to Colonel in October 1964 and retired from the Marine Corps January 1st, 1965. So he retired as a Colonel. Pretty cool. But his life wasn't over there. In the wake of Kennedy's uh, no November 1963 assassination, Glenn felt a call to public service, and he consequently he left NASA in 1964 to seek a U.S. Senate seat from Ohio. At that time, when he ran for Senate, he suffered a fall that made him dizzy, and he had to drop out. So not great. But he didn't give up on politics, and he ran again. He served four terms as a U.S. Senator from Ohio from 1974 to 1999. That's a lot, four terms. He became an executive with Royal Crown International, but took an active part in Ohio politics and environmental protection efforts. He won his Senate seat in 1974, carrying all 88 counties of Ohio. He was, was reelected in 1980 with the largest margin in Ohio history. So people in Ohio love this dude. <laughs> Ohio returned uh, him to the Senate for a third term in 1986, again with a substantial majority. In 1992, he was elected again, becoming the first popularly elected senator from his state to win four consecutive terms. During his last term, he was the ranking member of both the Governmental Affairs Committee and the Subcommittee on Air and Land Forces in the Senate Armed Service Committee. He also served as the Select Committee, Committee on Intelligence and Special Committee on Aging. And he was known as being awesome with engineering and all that stuff. He's a genius. Then in 1998, he flew into space again at the age of 77. His mission of almost nine days on uh, the space shuttle orbiter Discovery launched 9, October 29th, 1998, when he was 77, made him the oldest human to venture into space. So that's another accolade he has. On Discovery, he participated in a series of tests on the aging process, which is cool um, that he, you know, he's aging. So he wanted to see what had happened. And he has this record of being a good astronaut. Why? He's a perfect candidate to go up in the 70s, first person to go up at that age. The aging population was one focus of his work in the US, as U.S. Senator. Glenn was described as humble, funny, and generous by Trevor Brown, Dean of the John Glenn School of Public Affairs at Ohio State University. In a statement joined by the Glenn family, even after leaving public life, he loved to meet this with citizens, school children in particular. He, th uh, he th thrilled to music and had a weakness for chocolate. So that's the kind of guy John Glenn was. Former astronaut U.S. Senator John Glenn died Thursday, December 8th, 2016 at the Ohio State University Wexner Medical Center in Columbus. Glenn will always be remembered as the first American to orbit the Earth during those tentative, challenging, daring days when humans were first or just beginning to venture beyond the atmosphere um, that had nurtured them since the species began. It's a pretty epic life, and I just want to give you an idea of what his life was like, but... This episode is about a specific story. <laughs> that is the life story of John Glenn, the man. And while he is most known for his, you know, first American to circle the Earth title, there is a lesser known story from his space mission uh, missions that tends to raise a few more eyebrows and turn up a few more smiles. John Glenn holds a special place in U.S. history. He was part of that Mercury 7 first group of American astronauts, and he was the first American to orbit Earth. On February 20th, 1962, he climbed aboard the Friendship 7 and blasted into the atmosphere. We already talked about that, but now setting the space. Now we're back. He's on the Friendship 7, blasted into space. He's one of the first people to be in space. Not the first, but one of the first. While aboard, he watched the Mercury spacecraft monitoring for any kind of insight. He's like, why would he just be monitoring? Well, remember, uh, back in those days, he's one of the first people to go into space. Almost all this is uncharted territory. Just being there is super important, and that's how science is. You observe things 
you write it down compared to future tests. As he circled the globe about three times in just about five hours, yeah, things in space go really fast uh, without that drag of atmosphere. Anyway, while he's up there, while he's watching the craft, he also had ample time to observe our beautiful planet and the multiple sunrises and sunsets. I can only imagine how breathtaking of an experience that is. That is a dream of mine. I don't think I'll be able to accomplish it unless science makes going to space way cheaper. We fix a lot of other problems on Earth, but, you know, it might happen. I might live longer to be able to do that. While he was experiencing the surreal being one of the first people in space to see our planet from afar and watching the sun come up into view, something freaky showed up. Something that nobody really anticipated. What appeared to be tiny light started to swirl around his spacecraft. Yeah, freaky. Ooh. He watched out the viewport or window as he circled the Earth on his second run and saw tiny glowing lights surrounding the Friendship 7 craft. He was awestruck, as any of us would be. You know, my mind, <laughs> I'd be like, it's aliens. <laughs> There's some kind of alien alien race out here circling my spacecraft. <laughs> Glenn, Glenn didn't freak out like that, but he was like, what the heck is this? Glenn radioed to Mission Control in an excited panic, saying he witnessed his craft was, quote, in a big mass of thousands of very small particles that brilliantly lit up like they're luminescent. So he's like, yo, something's going down. Even though he's freaking out, he's in space, one of the first people to ever to do this. It's mostly uncharted territory. He doesn't know what to expect. He, he is a, still a brilliant man, able to articulate his what he's seeing. He's a scientist at heart. And he says, in a big mass of thousands of very small particles that brilliantly lit up like they're luminescent. And Mission Control is like, what? Wait a minute. What? <laughs> I can just imagine dudes in like their 30s and 40s. You know, they're so excited to be on this thing. Remember, we're back in the 60s now. This isn't this isn't like we've been to space a whole bunch and seen a lot of telescopes. We don't they didn't even confirm there were planets, other planets outside our solar system that existed till the 90s. That's this is 30 years before that. They're like, what is he gonna see? We have no idea. And he goes, Yo, there's some stuff swirling around my spacecraft that's lighting up. I'm freaking out up here. <laughs> they're like, We are too. So <laughs> he said that. Uh, they were like yellowish green and each looked like, quote, a firefly on a real dark night. So that is a quote. He used the term firefly. You know, he had to describe it as best he could. That's what it looked like to him. Both Mission Control and Glenn didn't know what they were looking at at first. Um, and there, I don't think there'd be cameras up there. Some down on Earth started to speculate aliens, you know, like something out of a Stanley Kubrick movie or something. Oh, you came up to space and now we're coming to come to to welcome you or whatever you know that's probably where my mind would go to i would be like <laughs> i like to think I, I can be a grounded person when i need to be but for the most part i like to have my heads up in the cloud and if something like that happened to me i would be like this is it take me away i want to <laughs> i want to be with you and, and know more about the, our universe you know whatever Glenn's initial thought was that he was witnessing nothing short of a miracle. You know, nothing said that he thought that they were aliens, but he was like, this is crazy. This must be something unprecedented. What's going on? Well, they did a little research down on Earth, and eventually it came out. It turns out it wasn't aliens. And while miracles, like Glenn thought, are somewhat of a subjective term, it wasn't a miracle either, by most standards. The craft that Glenn was riding, excuse me, the craft, the, the craft that Glenn was riding around the Earth, the Mercury spacecraft had a, a ventilation system that took its human passengers' bodily fluids and shot them into space. When the bodily liquids were jettisoned into the black void of space, they froze immediately. And if they were hit by the sun's rays at right, just the right angle, 
they would glow brightly. So those thousands of celestial fireflies, as Glenn was quoted saying, were just John Glenn's pissed shining back at him. <laughs> he had pissed in the cosmic wind, so to speak. <laughs> so I love how like this crazy, not scare, but maybe excitement, probably you're definitely involved when you get a radio from one of the first guys we've ever shot in the space going like, there's glowing stuff circling the spacecraft. I don't know if you guys strapped on the make stuff glow around the spacecraft compartment, but if you did, tell me because I'm freaking out. And they're like, dude, that's your pee. <laughs> I I imagine that had such a surreal, good comedic relief as he's witnessing all these beautiful and terrifying things. Astronauts say whenever they go up into space, um, just recently, oh, I'm not, I'm going to blank on his name, but the guy who played uh, Captain Kirk, the original Captain Kirk for, in Star Trek, yeah, I'm going to blank on his name. Actually, um, I'll Google it while I'm talking, but he recently went up, to, went into space, and when he came back, you know, people were asking, you know, was it some kind of surreal experience that, that you had? William Shatner, that's who it is. William Shatner, he's pretty old now. But when he came back, they expected some poetic thing. I, I, space is so wonderful. He was saying, no, when you look out at the black vastness, it's, it's terrifying. It's terrifying and humbling. So that's something Glenn has experienced for the first time. And remember, now I can Google and say, what do astronauts say experiencing space is like? Back then, there was no Google, and there was almost nobody ever who had ever experienced it. So he had no reference point. So he probably saw the horror of, of, of black space out there, and he also probably saw the beauty of our world, one of the very few people to do so. And while that's all happening, he's probably experiencing so much emotion, but he also has to remember all these scientific things, and he's probably freaking out. And all of a sudden, he's like, there's glowing stuff, and they're like, dude, chill. It's your piss. <laughs> there's your piss crystals shining at you it's all good he probably had a, like <laughs> all by himself just this amazing laugh and then calmed down and finished the mission came home and had this wonderful life and yeah i thought it was a wonderful story so hope you enjoyed who thunkers until next time